Listen to these words as they're recorded in Matthew 13, 45 to 46. <clears throat> the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Alicia, for your reading of the scripture. And thank you, Karen. It's one of my favorite old songs, and it really blessed me this morning hearing, Oh, What a Savior. Well, today we get to explore another parable, the pearl of great price, also known simply as the great price. And after studying it, I actually think that it might, could be subtitled, What God Thinks About You. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, we ask you to open your word to us afresh. Give us a glimpse of your kingdom's power and glory in a deeper way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Pearls have always been one of my very favorite gems. When I chose my wedding dress, I chose a simple, sleek, satin gown that had pearls embedded all around the bodice of it, and even on the high neckline. And there were even hundreds of little tiny pearls sewn into the crown on the veil. And uh, it was just beautiful. I've told my daughters, it's at my oldest daughter's house right now, and I told them, I want to be buried in it. <laughs> so very interesting. But, and also interestingly, it, pearls have been very uh, interesting to, I'm sorry, Randall's family, but in a much different way. Randall's grandma, who was also at our wedding, uh, though I knew her just only for a few short years prior to her death, I admired her very much. She was a short woman with a sweet face, built like a barrel, with two short skinny bird legs coming out. And Randall tells me that she just absolutely loved going through the house doing her chores, whistling through her teeth, and singing love songs to Jesus. She stood by her husband, Reverend Ansel Newton, for 50 years, pioneering several Christian churches during the Great Depression, all the way from the coal mines of West Virginia across the United States to Iowa, and finally came to rest completing their ministry in Ohio. They produced five children, trying to feed them on a pastor's salary as they faithfully answered God's call. She prayed her sons through the horrors of war, all the while turning the world upside down next to her husband, discipling whole communities of Christ. That was an incredibly tough life that she lived. But one of the things that she absolutely loved about her life was her name, Ruby Pearl Newton. That's right, Ruby Pearl. Two precious commodities in one remarkable name. I don't think she owned either in her whole life, but she had found Jesus and he had become the treasure of her life and she was definitely 
his pearl. So let's delight ourselves this morning in his word one more time, a parable from Matthew chapter 13, focusing on what Jesus has to say about this one pearl of great price. Pearls have a great significance in scripture. Our English word for pearl is derived from Sanskrit meaning pure, the biblical concept of holiness. A natural pure pearl is a very interesting study because unlike other gems, pearls are produced by a living organism. And guess what? A pearl is actually formed inside of a shell as a result of an injury to the animal inside of it. And in response to the injury, or the insult, it begins forming around this little grain of sand or an egg of a parasite, something that somehow invaded that oyster. And the oyster has been given the ability to start protecting itself by layering that irritant with a substance called nacre, N-A-C-R-E. And as this layering happens, the animal finds relief, and the pain leaves. Wow, what a plan God made for that little animal, don't you think? An object of great beauty is formed out of that which was an offending particle. Bam! It transforms into a gem of great worth. There it lies at the floor of the ocean, complete and lustrous, hidden from the world's eyes. Did you know that a pearl needs no polishing? It does not need to be cut by men's hands to enhance its beauty or its value. And so let's hear Christ's words one more time from Matthew 13, 45 and 46. He says this, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. So let's look at the pearl merchant that Christ is revealing to his disciples and to all who have ever heard this word. The merchant is a man whose eye is finely trained. He is an appraiser of pearls. He has business skills to purchase and resell the pearls to retailers for profit. This merchant is seeking pearls near and far throughout the earth. He's an educated, proficient businessman committed to fulfill his quest. This guy has been around the block. From dealing with pearl hawkers who are selling overpriced shabby merchandise to the humdrum, um, the humdrum standard pearls that he just goes and casually views, bargains for them, and then he purchases and quickly turns them around for resale. But on this day, the merchant comes upon the one pearl, the pearl of his lifetime, and it is sheer perfection. So unique was this pearl, so valuable of a treasure, that his job morphed that day. He was no longer a mere businessman exchanging pearls and money, pearls and money, but he became a man on a mission, a passionate mission, 
there would never be a reselling of this one pearl. And when he asked the price, I don't think the owner casually said, uh, what you got? But I think when this seller saw how vulnerable this man was, he whispered in his ear, what's it worth to you? Do you know it will cost you everything? And with great gladness, the merchant relinquished all he owned to possess it. Wow. Can you imagine that day? Upon seeing this pearl, this merchant goes away and he sells his business. He sells his property, his land, his valuable mementos from the past, his costly jewelry that's in his fine boxes. He sells his grand furniture from Robin Stuckey and Clive Daniel. Absolutely everything under his roof is liquidated. Even his fine cars in his garage. And if that's not enough, he sells the very house itself. All he has. He's a seasoned bargainer. He's got bargaining skills, but they've flown out the window and he's a man possessed. He forsakes all he has to possess this one pearl of great price. And after this long emotional day, I can see him sitting on the ground. One pearl is cupped in his hand. His mission is complete. And although it has cost him everything, it's been well worth it. He knows that it did not cost him too much. I don't think this story would fly in 2019. What about you? The moment he walks into his house that day, he calls, uh, honey, I sold the car. What? You sold our car? Well, at least we still have a roof over our head. Hmm? No, I've sold our house and all of the furniture too. It has cost me everything, my entire fortune. But I now possess the most beautiful pearl in this whole world, and it's mine forever. I'm well satisfied, honey. Just wait until you see its glory. I bet that went over really well. How about, what do you think? Well, this parable is very interesting in scripture and well-known theologians have bantered back and forth as to uh, perhaps who is the merchant who is the great pearl and after studying it really closely and praying I think I've been enlightened to think whom Jesus is calling the merchant and whom he's calling this wonderful pearl of great price. As I said earlier, pearls come from oysters and clams, which in Jewish law were prohibited to not only eat, but to really have contact with. In fact, in Leviticus 11, 
Oysters having neither fins nor scales were strictly forbidden to all of Israel for food. They were considered unclean and unkosher. I quote from Leviticus, everything in the waters that does not have fins and scales is detestable to you. That included oysters and clams and everything in them. Not just unclean, but detestable. And thus, I'm sure as Jesus is saying this, that the disciples are absolutely shocked. By this parable, what do you mean our God's kingdom? A pearl coming out of an unclean oyster? Pearls were not prized by the Jews. They did not wear them as jewelry. They only bought them from someone and sold them to be able to make profits because they were wonderful businessmen, wonderful merchants. And uh, the Gentiles loved the pearls, and they wore them. Everything in the disciples' childhood training, their adult training, what the rabbi had taught them would have seen pearls as distinctly Gentile in nature. They were impure, like those who would not and did not obey the Jewish laws. And here... Jesus the merchant is speaking by the Sea of Galilee and he's revealing to all of Israel the kingdom of heaven will evolve through that which was perceived unclean and it will be transformed into a valuable treasure, a perfect pearl. What an amazing illustration Christ is giving. The ultimate destiny of a pearl is remarkably similar to the church of Jesus Christ, his bride, Gentiles and Jews who believe in Jesus coming together, though considered unclean, transformed beautifully into a new creature. So let's hear the word of God afresh this morning from our favorite scripture, John 3.16. For God, so loved the world, not one race, not one color, not just Jews, not just Gentiles, not people with only male plumbing or female plumbing or in between, not young, not old, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him. On him would not perish, but they would have life eternal. For in Christ all are one. And I believe that here Jesus is showcasing his passion for just one pearl. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we are his beloved church, his beloved bride, who will reign with him forever where our sins ran red. His holiness has washed us and made us white, a pure pearl, purified and made holy by his redeeming blood. So let me express to you just how valuable you are to God. 1 Peter 1.19 says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold, that you were redeemed out of the empty way of life you inherited from your forefathers, 
but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or spot, we were redeemed. Our inheritance is secure as sons and daughters of the living God. What a privilege. What an inheritance. What a pearl. And I close with this story. My husband and, love, and I love to watch uh, a television show aired on PBS. Who here has ever seen the Antiques Roadshow? Well, one particular episode has thrilled us to no end. An elderly man brought an article to display for the roadshow's experts to appraise. And to his utter amazement, the qualified professional put him before the camera to interview him about the extremely rare mid-century Ute Chief's Navajo blanket in perfect condition that he and his wife owned. It was extremely valuable. The look on the man's, the expert's face was the old man stood there just weeping, tears running down his face as the appraiser told him the estimated worth of that one item. Sir, you have a national treasure. They interviewed him again on another PBS special, and the elderly man shared that his family were poor farmers. He had never known wealth or prosperity in his whole life. He testified that he and his wife were very simple people, never imagining that they would ever be important in this world. They had simply inherited that blanket and had kept it folded over a chair in their bedroom for years and years, hidden from the world's view. And guess what? That man's inheritance stands as the most highly appraised item in the history of the Antiques Roadshow, and it now rests in a national museum. Do you know that you have an inheritance hidden inside of you as well? Do you know that God's word declares that you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ? Perhaps you've never seen yourself as important. Perhaps you've hidden behind a poor self-image. Or looking back on your life, you didn't think that your life really amounted to all that much in the end. Perhaps you've been bombarded like the oyster with irritants. You've been embedded with a mass of corruptible flesh, needing to be separated and cleansed and purified to be able to even get a glimpse of that pearl so you can emerge in beauty and purity and be precious to the Lord. You've endured pain. You've endured sorrows. Perhaps an unhappy childhood, a divorce, a career that never really rewarded you the way you wished it had. Perhaps you wasted your years on drugs, alcohol, material things that are really fleeting. And this morning you feel that life, at life's conclusion, you'll be passed by 
because of your past performance and your failures. Ha, ha, ha. Hear the good news. God does not see you that way. Our God, strong in mercy, has reached down into the sea of humanity, and he's pulled you out as a precious pearl. Everything that could have been paid was given by Christ on the cross. Nothing else could ever be paid, and you are his. Jesus endured our sin in his own body on the cross. And for over 2,000 years, he's been coding all who would call on his name layer after layer of mother of pearl, his holy, immaculate blood, tediously and gradually covering, layering every offense, every irritant, every disappointment and one layer after another, Christ has covered our failures, our pains, and our transgressions. His greatness alone has produced inside each one of us his kingdom pearl, which he will pull out of the sea of this world. The sea in the book of Revelations represents the nations, all the peoples, all the humans of this world. And actually, during this parable, Jesus is prophetically speaking not only to his followers, but to Israel about his passion for the lost of the world. He's describing both God's love for Israel and for all peoples to pull them into his kingdom of life. Christ's passion, his intercession, and his blood creates within our hearts his kingdom pearl. So may the Holy Spirit seal within us today Christ's immeasurable joy in saving us and our glorious worth hidden in him by his power alone. Just shut your eyes a moment and repeat these simple words. He loved me and gave himself just for me. Now see yourself as that precious pearl, loved and securely held in the nail-scarred hand of Jesus. And he's saying to you, you are precious to me. I gladly gave everything I had to purchase you. I do not regret it, beloved. You are mine forever. You are my pearl of great price. And everybody said, Amen.